Amen. Amen. Guys, I love, love, love. The worship music here is second to none. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, yeah, no doubt. Dude, this is, I, you know, I could be in like the, the grouchiest of moods and just not ready. You know, I may have my notes ready. I may have all this kind of stuff. You guys already know I'm not like a professional speaker anyway. You're like, amen. Um, but, I, you know, I can have that stuff prepared, but, but still not be, like, spiritually ready. And I'm like, it's like these, these guys, like, they, they just sit up here and worship, and they know how to play music at the same time. It just the, the music is an afterthought to the worship. And they get me ready, and they get us ready for, to, to, to speak God's word. And I love that about what's going on here, man. It's just, it just is, a, just is a beautiful, wonderful thing. God has given us great favor in our church. As uh, Pete said, uh, John Daly was baptized uh, this, you know, this morning for the first service. And, uh, you know, the place was packed. The first service got a good crowd here again. The second service this is just insane for a Christmas week when everybody's supposed to be out in the hustle and bustle. And, and we're, we're here. And we're doing God's stuff, and we're hearing God's word, and we're worshiping God. It's just an opportunity for us to, because we're like living for the Lord seven days a week, right? And so to, to be able to come and, and, and not be in battle, engaged in the battle of life, being the spiritual warriors that we are, to be able to come and go, okay, you guys are going through the same crap we are. <laughs> I gotta, I'm so glad to be here with you guys, right? Amen? That's how this works. So, man, I, I just, I just am, I'm so so thrilled to just be here with you guys this morning. And again, I, I, there, there, I do want to kind of let you guys know something that has happened to one of our uh, family members in the church. Um, you know, a couple, couple of that uh, young couple that lives in town have been coming for a couple of months. Um, his name is Tyler Knudsen and his wife, Jamie. Um, Tyler was killed last night. Just wanted to let everybody know. And so a lot of you know this, and there's, there's heavy, heavy hearts in here that one of our family is, uh, is no longer with us. So I wanted to let you guys know kind of my heart in some of the things that we're talking about this morning is, is with that in mind. The scriptures that keep, when I heard the news very, very early this morning, when I heard the news, you know, I was uh, visiting with uh, Jamie this morning prior to the service. Everybody's like texting me, are you coming? Because we kind of, you know, you're kind of going to be giving the message. Um, it, it, it was it, the scriptures that kept coming over my, my mind and my heart was that everyone's time is appointed. We're appointed a time to, to die. And so with that, understanding that it, yes, yes, do we grieve? Yes. Do we do all those things? Yes, absolutely we do. But ultimately, our job while we're here is to do things God's way. Amen? Amen. So with that, heaviness we're going to celebrate what god has done for us is that cool because it's christmas right it's christmas and and he did some things for us man that is is out of out of of sight see this this whole thing of of god giving his son his one and only son comes from john three sixteen and and John 3.16 is the, is the passage that, that so many of us t- cling to as the passage that's all we need, that's all we kind of get to. Let me read you a, 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 an article, a Reuters article from Mark Piscotti, I think that's how you pronounce his name, from 2012, and it was right after uh, the Denver Broncos, boo, um, <laughs> defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers, boo again, um, 
But listen to this. Denver, Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow prays up the Broncos defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers in overtime in the NFL AFC wildcard playoff football game in Denver on Sundays. On Sunday. The Denver Broncos playoff win over Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night was unlikely enough, but Tim Tebow's passing yardage, the Christian quarterback threw 316 yards, set commentators over the edge. The Associated Press reported that he also averaged 31.6 yards per completion. The religious connotations to John 3.16, a famous Bible verse, were too much for many to chalk up to chance. For true believers, it was no coincidence. Tebow has said previously that the Bible verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, you guys know this, believes in him, exactly, shall not perish but have eternal life. Exactly right. We know this by heart. We don't even have to. It's his favorite, quote, unquote, favorite, right? I would say probably it's his life verse if that was something that he does. When he wore the scripture verse on his eye black during the national championship game in 2009, the term, the term John 3.16 was reportedly Googled more than 90 million times. Wow, man. The Bible verse quickly became the most searched Google term on Monday. So this whole John 3.16, man, this verse that, that everybody clings to, that everybody looks at, and, the, and, and that everybody kind of like goes to, man, is, is, is absolutely everywhere. Let me give you a couple of uh, pictures here. Uh, John 3.16, this is a sports fan. We see this all the time, right? John 3.16, John 3.16, see it all over in the, in the I'm waiting for somebody to say, Habakkuk 2.1. I mean, you just, yeah. <laughs> what? No, but John 3.16 is all over the place on sports venues look at the next one here you guys may remember this cat rainbow head you guys remember that guy like i remember that guy um fyi he's in prison right now that's a whole nother story but but this guy this guy is the guy that kind of started the whole john 316 at the sports venues movement right he had the now rainbow means something different now so it would probably you know probably may not may or may not wear that today but John 3.16, is he's kind of the guy that started this. So you'd see, like, guys kicking off, and on TV, you'd see Rainbow Head with the John 3.16 stuff. He was kind of a, kind of a wild dude. Here's another one, uh, the 2012 World Series. You see the catchers running. Woo, we just won, right? Just swept the Detroit Tigers. The San Francisco Giants did boo again, right? Oh, by the way, um, welcome Willie Akins. Royals great. Into the house today. Right? Thank you, my friend. Glad you come. Got the text this morning. He's like, what time service? I'm like, anytime you want, bro. Um, we'll wait for you. Um, but if you notice, John 3.16 is right there at the back. In fact, this fan got in trouble, I understand, by security for having that. And he kept doing it, kept doing it. And I was like, yeah, good job, Christian. If you notice, right next to that is the Marlins man. Hey, the Marlins guy is right there. He's like, hey, he was way back in the day doing that kind of stuff. So, so this John 3.16 is like, for a lot of people, it's like we focus on John 3.16. We focus on this one verse as if that's our get-out-of-hell-free card. And I want to kind of tell you a little bit about John 3.16, talk about it in context. See, one of the things that I find dangerous for people to do is to say, I have a life verse. And I know a lot of people say they have a life verse, and I'm not going to trash that or anything. But it's very dangerous for a lot of people to do that. Here's why. I had a life verse for a while. And it was Romans 12, 2. Now, I'll give you a little bit of backdrop about me and my, you know, you know, a lot of you know my salvation experience was as a result of the 
what we call apologetics, the proofs, the evidences of the Bible that are just astronomical. That, that, that at, when I found out that these things actually happened, that Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies, that he, that he died on the cross that fulfilled those prophecies, and he rose from the grave, and people like, were willing to die for what they said they saw, not for the things that they were brainwashed into believing. I was like, well, well something is wild, and I've got to go tell everybody. So 15, 16 years ago, I started this journey of just telling everybody. So the very fact that I'm even a pastor or preaching to anybody on Sunday morning is a miracle and a testimony to God himself. But the problem is, is that because of the way I was, I guess, transformed or the reasons I was transformed, I took a particular passage out of context and made it my life first. And I taught it wrong, actually, to the overground, which was our, our youth ministry at our old church. We have some overground people in the house right now. Yeah. Rock and roll. Holla. Um, but here's, here's Romans 12 too. It says, do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I, I read that passage, and based on what I had done, I said, oh, okay, that's my life verse. Because people need to know intellectually that Jesus came. Because our whole culture is like education, knowledge, PhDs, people with more degrees than a circle, right? All this kind of stuff. Like we're, That's our emphasis in a culture, and that's what people appreciate. And we need to be able to tell them based on the knowledge of Jesus, based on the, the truths of Jesus, the proofs of Jesus, the mathematical evidence, the psychological evidence, the, the historical evidence, the, all those kinds of things. We need to be able to tell them, and that's what it means. And I would preach that. I would teach that. To Romans 12, too, guys, we got to go reach people's minds. And I... And I I had a friend of mine come to me and say, have you ever read Romans 12, 1? Like, maybe. <laughs> what are you trying to get at, right? Because I was preaching in a certain way, and what this person taught me was that every verse in context is in, every verse in Scripture is in context of all the verses in Scripture. And Romans 12, 1, if you understand who wrote this and it was paul and paul was not some scatterbrained kind of a guy he was very organized he was very intentional he very his, his, his these were letters these were not just sayings and so romans 12 2 says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind romans 12 1 says therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy mercy to offer your what let me ask you is that plural or is that singular Plural, that's multiple bodies. You, 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 and you offer your bodies as a, an a living sacrifice, right? Holy and pleasing to the Lord, to God. This is your true and proper worship. Meaning that we as the body need to be together as one offering as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And it blew my mind because I had preached it wrongly. And then to, to make matters worse, he, he put a little more salt on the wound. He said, hey, by the way, you might want to check out Romans chapter 1 through 11, that, that talk about being unified, that talk about being one mind, one spirit, one body. There's no slave, Jew, Greek, free. All this stuff, man, that's in, that's in, that is talking about this stuff in Romans that is everywhere, leading up to Romans 12, 2, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. In essence, we've got to be thinking like God thinks about unity. Amen? It's incredible to me. So that being said, how dangerous it is to have a, a life verse by, in and of and by itself if you do not understand everything in context. It's dangerous to have that because I actually 
messed it up pretty bad. That's been a, a while trying to <laughs> undo the, some of the stuff that I taught. So in context, let's look through John 3, 1 through 20-something. Is that cool? Because John three sixteen by itself means something totally different than in context. So is that cool? Let's, let's put on your seatbelts for a second. All right, you guys ready? Anybody need to stretch out first because this is going to be a <laughs> while. I'm telling you. John 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee. Let me give a little background. Jesus had just cleansed the temple for, according to here, the first time. He, a lot of people think he did it once. He actually did it twice, according to the scripture. And he had just done this. He had made quite the statement. Uh, and, and this Pharisee, who was a religious leader, came to him in the dark of night. And I'll tell you here in a second. We'll all let the words tell you what it says. A man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, came, there was a Pharisee, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now notice he said these things to him in the dark of night because he didn't want to have his boys bust him up, right? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you. Whenever you hear Jesus saying, I tell you, that means I am an authority here and I'm going to tell you what the truth is. Very truly, I tell you. Very similar to the language that he had in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said this, but I tell you. Right? Catch what I'm saying on this. So he's telling, he's, he's correcting and asserting his authority here. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? Right? How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And I'm sure Jesus is like, McFly, come on. Jesus answered, very truly, what? I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with every one of you born of the spirit. Great question, Nicodemus asks, how can this be? And Jesus chastises him a little bit here. He said, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, what? I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you, will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the, the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. Just as Moses lifted, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who, what? Believes. Circle that. Star that. Put neon signs around that word because I want to explore what that really means. He said that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. John 3.16. Yay, rainbow head. Finally, we got to it, right? For God so what? Loved the world that he gave. His one and only son. See, he, this is like the most unscrooged thing you can ever think of for someone to do this. You guys, man, you, you know that, that I love. You, you guys know my daughter Morgan. She sings up here. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She's amazing, right? 
Everybody give her a round of hand. That's what you're supposed to clap at that point. No, but let me tell you something, man. You, what you see here is something that you see in our household, and you will not see it for very much longer. Come some scumbag decided to marry her and stuff. So <laughs> he's not a scumbag. I'm just mad at him. All right, sorry, but uh, no, I'm not really mad at him. But but basically, this is I, you know. The Holy Spirit's going to continue to be in our house, but the sound of music, the sound of worship, the sound of guitar playing, the sound of, I mean, you should just hear sometimes the, the, the stuff that, that, that sound in our house is awesome, man, coming from that beautiful lady right there. And I can't imagine, as much as I love you guys, as much as I, I, I pray for you guys, as much as I, I, I want us to be like the epicenter of an amazing revolution for Christ, I can't imagine giving her up for you. See, God gave an amazing, incredible gift. And this is a gift. And gifts are not earned. Paychecks are earned. And here's what I'm concerned about in the church, in the American church, in our church, in, in all kinds of things, that, that we're trying to do all kinds of stuff to be Christian-like. Right? We want to look Christian, we want to act Christian, we want to smell Christian, right? I don't know what a Christian smells like, but I just threw that in. But this is what we want to do. We want to keep doing Christian stuff. So we want to, want to not do a bunch of stuff like don't drink, don't smoke, don't go to movies, don't watch rated R anything, don't, definitely don't dance, definitely don't listen to rock and roll or rap. Perish the thought, Lord, send me to Africa instead, right? But I mean, this is the thing, man. We've got to understand that it's not about what we do and do not do, man. It is about ultimately about obedience. That we can't earn this. Because it's not a paycheck. It is a gift. That finishing John 3, 6. Whoever, say that with me. Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, man. And this whole idea of believing. Because I know this John 3, 16, man, people look at that. That's my life first. That's all I need, man. All I got to do is believe, and I got to get out of hell free card, right? And listen to what this, listen, break this actual scripture down a little bit more, because this whole word believe is a Greek word called pistuo. And it's not a simple acknowledgement of a fact, like, yeah, two plus two is four, and Jesus saves, right? This is a, a deep faith and, and a trust in the fact that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, fulfilled hundreds of prophecies, the, de- the, the, the lame walked, the deaf heard, the, the blind saw, the mute spoke, and he fulfilled all those prophecies, and he rose from the grave, man. It is like, and I put my deep faith and my trust in the fact that I'm going to live my life accordingly. Amen? James 2.19, and I love James. James uh, is the brother of Jesus actually growing up in his family and his whole family thought Jesus was crazy until after the resurrection right and here's James who calls himself a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ he didn't say hey by the way that's my bro <laughs> right no, he's like I'm the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ so after the resurrection which is a powerful powerful testimony to the resurrection but here's what James said he says you believe there is one God and he's talking about faith and deeds and all this kind of stuff and he says good even the demons believe that and shudder. If you recall, a couple of years ago at Westside, if you were there um, and at Shawnee campus last year, uh, before we launched our service here, I think we may have done a pre-launch service, I actually gave you guys a test about your belief. And I want to do that again because we've got a whole bunch of new faces 
in the crowd. And I want to just test us, to, to test our belief, to see if we're, we're John 3.16 worthy. Because in context, man, it's like, man, there's a whole lot more there. And we're going to talk about what comes after that here in a second. But what I like to do, you guys know I'm a, I'm a teacher. And I, when I ask questions, I love to have answers back. Is that cool? Can we do that? Like, like if I, I imagine these things I'm going to ask you, you will af- say in the affirmative. Now, this is church, so I don't want you to lie, okay? But, so if you say no, it's okay. But if you say yes, I want you to say affirmatively. I want to wake up the neighbors that decided to sleep in this morning, if that's cool. So let me ask you guys. I'm going to do the first question. We're going to test our, test our wheels here. So let me ask you guys this. Do you believe Jesus is real? Right. Do you believe Jesus is truly the Son of God? Do you believe the Bible is God's Word? Do you believe, oh, somebody even got a woohoo in there. All right. Do you believe Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies written about him? (laughs) Thank you. How about let's change this to woohoo? That's cool with me. Set the stage, baby. I love it. Love the leaders in the house. Do you believe Jesus was crucified? Do you believe Jesus rose from the grave? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do you believe Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father? Do you believe Jesus is coming back for his church? Do you believe Satan knows all this too and is ramping up his activity because he knows it's coming? I've got a question. I don't want you to answer this out loud. Okay, I want you to just really contemplate this. Because I just outlined, I don't know, I didn't count them, nine or ten or something like that, things that we believe. And we believe strongly. And you guys are like, yeah, even some woohoo, right? Like, like Jesus is real. He's the son of God. That The Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God. That he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. That he, that he, that he came to, to, the, to earth as a person, as a little baby. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. He did all that, right? And he was crucified, and he rose from the grave, and through his shed blood and shed blood only can we be saved from hell. And yet, Satan believes all that too. He knows all that. Have you ever thought about this? So here's my question. What's the difference, my brothers and sisters, between you and Satan? Have you ever thought of that? Here's my, here's my fear, my, my, not my fear, I shouldn't say, but my, my concern is that throughout the, the churches in America, man, we've got people that are believing just like Satan. They're coming in there. I believe the word, this is the word of God. I believe that. And, and, and even these folks even shudder at the very fact that there's one God. How many of us even, even truly shudder at that fact? Man, uh, Satan could walk in here and be a great leader, a great worship leader, a great kid city director, a great uh, pastor, a great elder, a great deacon. I mean, because he believes all the things that we believe and even shudders. Look at this guy. What's the difference? The difference has got to be a whole, I mean, there's got to be, it's got to be evident. We've got to be doing something different than simply pursuing what Satan knows. See, Satan knows the Bible better than anyone on earth. And he's been using it to mess us up ever since we were created. Do you remember when he talked to Eve? He said, did God really say? If we're trying to pursue knowledge, and see, here's the thing that I, that I, that I, I struggle with. I, in the last two weeks, I've had probably five people say, man, I want to start a Bible study. 
And every time somebody does that, I get on the phone and I coach them through some stuff because what most Bible studies are are a, an information download type of a session. Like, here's what it says, goodbye, right? And this is what most of the thing. But if we are only trying to pursue knowledge of the Bible, we are, without even knowing it, trying to catch up with Satan, who knows more than we do about the Scriptures, who actually saw them play out. And Isaiah 66, verse 2, because we're sitting there wondering, what does it mean? What's the difference between us and Satan? And I wish God, some people say, I wish God, I, I knew what he wanted. Well, here in Isaiah 66, 2, and I'll probably bring this verse up every three months or so, because it's so powerful. But it said, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble, everybody say humble, contrite in spirit. Some people say that's submissiveness to others and to God. And who tremble at my word. See, the difference between us and Satan must be, not that we're trying to pursue knowledge, but that we have love and humility and submissiveness ultimately to God and to other people. And there's this trembling at the word of God. True believers hate their sin. They don't try to manage it. They don't try to discover why. They, don't try, to, they try to get it exposed so that, they, so that it, can be, it can be eradicated and, and killed, according to the Scripture. It says, put to death, therefore, the things of the earthly nature. True believers, submit to Jesus as Lord. Guys, I met with a couple pastors a couple weeks ago, or several pastors a couple weeks ago, and there is this, there is this desire for these pastors to, to start preaching rather than Jesus as Savior. Yes, he's Savior. Keep that. Don't, don't forget that. But also to teach and preach that Jesus is Lord. And they're starting to do that, and people are leaving the church like, no, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. It's amazing to me. Jesus is Lord. That means he is the boss. That means he's the one that's got all the credibility, meaning he, we got to do whatever he says, whether we like it or not. And people are like, uh-uh, I'm going to church that's going to make me comfortable. These pastors are scared. Pastors are scared. They're like, there go my butts and my bucks, right? Thank God that we've preached this since January. Amen? Jesus is Lord. He's not our bud although he is our friend. He is not just our Savior, he is our Lord. And we do what he tells us to do. In fact, the whole great commission, that means to, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to, and, and to teach them to what? To obey. Not to teach them the Word, not to teach them the Bible, not to teach them how to look like a Christian, not to teach them how to go to church, not to teach them what to wear at church, not to teach them the rules, but how to obey Everything I've commanded them to do. I'm with you always to the end of the age is what he says. It's amazing to me. There's an anticipation of heaven and there's an understanding of the hell we've been saved from. John 3.16 is so powerful and so awesome. Man, a couple of chapters later, here's Jesus in the middle of uh, getting persecuted by a bunch of religious leaders. These religious leaders didn't like him very much because he was actually speaking the truth and they were doing a whole bunch of First century Bible studies is what they were doing. They were like, you got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, right? And they were doing it in obedience, but they were trying to, trying, to, trying to help people just, I mean, just be in shackles over this stuff. Listen to what he said. John 5, 36 through 40 says, The works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. Listen to what he says. 
verse 39. You what? Say that again. You, you what? Study. You study the Scriptures diligently. Why? Because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Is that blowing anybody else's mind this week? Man, how many of us are like, I'm going to do a Bible study. I've got to get something done. I gotta, and all we want to do is information downloaded. All we want to do is find out what's in the Bible. And all we want to do, and, and here's Jesus like trashing this very practice. He goes, it's about me. Come to me and have life. Let's finish up John 3 through 20, uh, starting in verse 17 through 21. And we'll land this plane this way. Because after he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because everybody looks at that and goes, right, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Because I hear people saying all the time, why would a loving God send people to hell? Listen to what he says right after this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Guys, we are born into a destination for hell. Do you understand this? God does not send people to hell. We choose it because that's where we're going. If we reject the Son of God. And so many times people will take that 316. Okay, all I got to do is acknowledge the facts of Jesus. That ain't it. That ain't it. It is so much more. He is Lord. Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. But will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But, everybody say but. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. What they have done has been done in the sight of God. Man, New City Church, and I, I am, if I will lead in anything, I will lead in the challenge to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but not the facts or the Necessarily, those things are great, and it's awesome to understand the Scriptures more. But what we have to do is understand the Scriptures more and study the Scriptures more so that we can know what it means to obey. There's a purpose in a Bible study. And I'm telling people, man, have your way with Bible studies, man. Just go at it. Like, Bible study away, man. Freak people out by the number of Bible studies you can hold. I love it. But always do it with the intention of those you bring in that, 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 it, there, that there's a reason for understanding the scriptures better and better and better. It is so that we can learn to obey. Amen? So I've got this crazy vision about our, our church and about, about our town of Edgerton that, that I think historians are going to look back at us, man, and they, they, they're like, whoa, where did this spiritual awakening come from? And I, I truly believe that we are going to be an epicenter of that spiritual awakening. That we're going to have a revival that starts right here. That where is Edgerton? Where is this little town? Where is it? I, I can't find it. Oh, there it is. That's, that's where 
God started doing his thing in southern Johnson County, and boom, people started obeying. People started actually living for the Lord rather than trying to do a bunch of spiritual activities, man. This church just was like, what the heck, man? All of a sudden, lives were changed in the town. Lives were changed in the county. Lives were changed in the state. The country revived. It started right here. But ultimately, I could care less whether historians like us or not. My question is, what does Jesus say about us? He says, I died for you. What are you doing with the, the, that gift? Are you going to Bible studies to try to just look, at, look spiritual and say, I, gosh, I got to do stuff? And, or are you actually going into the scriptures and learning what they mean and studying the snot out of them so that you can obey? Amen? Man, Father, man, we sure do love you. God, we are guilty in a lot of ways over the things that, uh, that we have done to try to earn this gift as if it were a paycheck, as if you needed us to do anything. Forgive us, Lord, for demanding Bible studies and demanding programs and demanding activities and demanding anything at all, Lord. All we want to do is just follow you, God, wherever you tell us to go. We want you to tell us to go. And we will go. And we're not going to follow any, any cultural expectations. We're not going to follow what everybody says a church ought to do. We're not going to follow what everybody thinks we ought to do, even with, from within our own our own walls, Lord. We want to simply follow you and dive into your word and dive into the scriptures, Lord. Those scriptures are not the one that saves us. You are. And may we be the church that you look back on and you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That we're full of servants and followers of me. It's in your son's incredible, amazing, awesome, beautiful name. All New City Church said.